you, if you pay attention over your life and your phone, and you pay attention to Trite, this is a game they somehow, I think they might even win, but I would even suggest throwing some money line here. Swipe Rate Sports, it is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock, and you heard right there, it was the doctor from our NFL pick segment last week. He told you what was going to happen in the desert, and the man went 4-1 and one overall. Uh, get in now, guys. 10-5 and five now on the season in his ATS picks. You'll hear this week's diagnosis after what I know most of you really want to know about, which is which Juco transfer receiver or freshman running back it's going to be this week we're going to jump in on. So uh, let's waste no more time. It is the CFB DFS Week 5 Day Slate starting now. All right. Welcome in one and all. Hope everyone has recovered from the debate. <laughs> Looking forward to the next one. Um, and I want to make uh, a point here before we get into the games about kind of where we're at in the season and what to kind of expect and how maybe to approach contest week to week moving forward. And that is that as we get about five, six weeks deep, you start to see the prices stiffen up a little bit and just catch up to what their fair market values should be. And for example, the Deuce Vaughn and Kyle Pitts party, that's over, right? Uh, Vaughn is like 6,200 this week. I think Pitts is now up to 7,500. And they can still work. They can still return value. You just got to pay the price now for it. So it just finds harder to find those really deep cuts like a Vaughn or the middling ranges of Pitts that they just start to get up towards the 7K range. And it just gets harder to get, pay the stiffer price. So I think what that means for us is this. We're probably going to have to separate ourselves with picks in the maybe the 5K to 5,500 range and hit those guys when they blow up. And that's going to be probably the best place to shop for separation. And all those deeper cut guys, it just gets harder to find them because uh, they, they, they find out about them. DK catches on a little bit and uh, prices set in. The pecking orders are established on teams. And we just know now. Uh, what the depth charts are and all that stuff. So um, just something to keep in mind as you're uh, playing week to week. And let's start with the first game. It is Memphis at SMU. Memphis minus two and a half, over under 74 and a half. All that lovely American Athletic Conference football. I know more about these rosters than my one-year-old niece. Probably makes me a total loser and a worse uncle. But I'll make it up to her, you know, in the future years when she kind of, you know, knows who I am and stuff. And I can, I'll just blame COVID, too, for this stuff. So, yeah, yeah. And speaking of what I just talked about, you know, trying to find those guys maybe in the 55, 6K even range that have potential for huge upside weeks. A name you need to know is Ulysses Bentley IV. Sounds like an esteemed 17-year-term senator from Tennessee. It's not. Instead... It is a redshirt freshman from Houston who can fly, my friends. And as one of six or seven people on planet Earth who watched back in week one 
SMU at Texas State and played that DK contest, I can tell you firsthand that I started the lead running back for SMU, TJ McDaniel, who was projected to be their kind of workhorse cowbell role guy. And if you had that role for SMU in this offense that Xavier Jones had last year, you know week to week with all the points they put up and all the defense they don't play, um, they have huge upside every week. And very quickly, I saw this other guy in the backfield inside the red zone and I went, I started MFing my TV and was going, what is this? Who is this guy? And what I realized is these, they're playing real football, not fantasy football, and they're putting their best players in the game. Makes sense, right? And it did not, it was abundantly clear about a few series in that this guy might just be the better player than TJ McDaniel. And TJ McDaniel is good, gonna be productive, but this is the guy that's the home run hitter. He can blow up, take it to the house from anywhere on the field. And I, I just think it was really impressive to see him right out of the gate in his first game, um, played really well. And I thought this guy could have the number one job. In, in, the, in, the, in the, the following, very following game against North Texas, that intuition paid off as Bentley the fourth blew up with 19 carries, 227 yards, three touchdown line, took an 84 yard draw to the house, and he added a catch for 21 yards. Um, look, both these guys are still going to play. Um, McDaniel's gonna get his 15 to 20 touches. I think they'll both probably get in that same range, but uh, this is the guy I want. And in fact, in my opinion, I think their prices should be reversed for this week. I think or at least maybe both around 7K. I really do because um, he's that good. And so, and I wouldn't be surprised if he even gets the lion's share of the work moving forward. So um, I think you should definitely consider him. He's a really exciting player to watch and this should be just a really fun game in general. And as far as the other SMU uh, players go, I think they're fairly priced everywhere else. Uh, yeah, just deploy confidently and you wanna be involved in this game, clearly with the highest total on the board. On the Memphis side, um, also fairly stated prices. I think there could be some really nice value with senior tight end Sean Dykes at 5K. There's tons of production to fill in the pass game with four of their top five pass catchers from last year gone due to extinguished eligibility or opting out, uh, namely Kenneth Gainwell. He was one of their better offensive players opted out this season. So um, in their first game, they have one game under their belt. Dykes appeared to be maybe the favorite uh, candidate to kind of pick up a lot of that slack. He had a monster 10 catch, 137 yard, two touchdown line. And um, yeah, I, I just think his price should probably be a little bit higher at this point. There's no one else really kind of appearing to be a big part of the pass game in this offense. So I think there's good, some good value here. And um, you know, we, we know that that's kind of it with this game, right? You wanna slide as many Tigers and Mustangs into those LUs as possible. You just, this is one you, you probably might have to be involved in some way, shape or form to cash on the slate. So um, that's it, let's move on to the next game. It is Texas A&M at Bama. And you know, look, tough spot here for the Aggies, just the game script of kind of 35 to 18-ish. And I should mention that the uh, Bama's minus 17, over under 53 and a half. It was kind of like what I talked about for Louisville last week, where they definitely have guys who have ability and can be really productive, but against Pittsburgh, just one of the tougher defensive teams in the ACC, you're probably hard to pay those prices that you have to pay. And even though A&M's prices are um, 
much lower this week. It's still, I, when, you, when you're supposed to score around maybe two, three touchdowns, it, it's just, it's a tough putt. So I love Ania Smith and Spiller's ability. It's just a bad matchup, and I think I could do better elsewhere. And in terms of my um, dart throws, you know, last week for the night contest, I talked about wide receiver Demon Demas, and also I did a little bit more reading, and I think it might be pronounced Demon. And I went, I don't know if that, is that a good thing? Do you want to name your kid Demon? I know it's not Demon, but still, it's pretty close, and it's just, I don't know, whatever. But uh, either way, he did not see the field as far as, I, as far as I could tell, but it was another freshman, Chase Lane, that was on the field and had a three-catch, 38-yard line. He is a bare minimum 3K still on DK. I think that's a bit of a mistake. So, look, they're probably passing a lot in the second half. Hey, if this guy, you were just trying to fill out that lineup with one guy or maybe even start a lineup with a 3K guy, uh, this is a really solid candidate. So something to consider there. And then um, that's kind of it for them on the other side. Yes, Alabama is good. Um, we know this. Mac Jones is not too, but he doesn't really have to be. Jalen Wild and Devontae Smith are so good that they're going to be able to get separation from everyone they play against so easily. And uh, Mac Jones just has to be his competent self. And he was last week, I think, uh, yeah, you want to you want as much Jalen Wilde and Devontae Smith as possible, and also I think Mac Jones is a fine play here as well. Not going to talk about anyone else. So yeah, Najee Harris, sure, good. Okay, uh, let's move on to Oklahoma State and Kansas. Oak State minus twenty one over under fifty three and a half. So clearly the question continues to be the status of quarterback Spencer Sanders for the Cowboys. Um, and I want to mention too, this was another thing when you're playing. This is not the NFL, right? There's not like beat writers around these teams at all times and we have like perfect information before kickoff every time in fact it's almost like the opposite uh it's just hard to find information on who's starting who's who's warming up and all this stuff and uh it's it's not like there's a fantasy football now show that has just everything every second for everyone so um but what i think is a good source that i've i've figured out this season that has been uh, probably the best one i've known of is on twitter if you go to um College Fantasy Football, it's at FBS Fantasy Foot. Yeah, at FBS Fantasy Foot. Um, they do a really good job of updating before kickoff for the noon games, for the afternoon games, uh, everything. They just they, they, they probably have the most detailed information. Seems like they're pretty plugged in with a lot of beat writers. And uh, I think if you're looking for you know injury status and who's who's looks like they're warming up, all that stuff, yeah, that would be my favorite source I use. So check that for Spencer Sanders' status, and that would tell you if you maybe want to play Tylen Wallace or not. And then the other thing I kind of wrote down here for my notes is that is Chuba Hubbard still worth the price? There's just kind of been some lacking the big plays, and it's really been, I think, his backup LD Brown has broken the bigger runs um, in that backfield. So I, I just thought it might be worth uh, discussing a little bit. He's still averaging over four yards per carry. Um, he has a 20-touch floor and a really plus matchup here with Kansas. So for this week, I still say yes. And I think I'm assuming the big plays are just, they're coming and the big weeks are coming with them. So I, I still think uh, he's fine. As, as long as we don't know anything, but maybe he's playing through an injury, there's nothing, nothing around about that. So look, I'm just going to assume he's fine and the, the stuff's going to come. So I'm good with Chuba. And then uh, I think on the other side, I think we're just still out on Jayhawks besides Puka. I don't, I don't know what to do with that um, from a receiver standpoint, from quarterbacks, and they have a projected to score about 15 to 16 points. So, out on Jayhawks besides Puka. 
Uh, let's move on to TCU at Texas. Texas over under, or sorry, minus 13 over under a 59. And I want to send my condolences to Longhorn and Sooner fan bases because you watched last week and it's just nothing has changed. Offense is going to put up a ton of points for Texas. You know, Ellinger has to do pretty much everything. The defense just sucks. It still sucks. And I went through this with Michigan State um, a few years ago where one side of the ball was always really pretty good um, and always keeping them in games. And year after year, the offense just got worse and worse. And it was every offseason, oh, it's going to, it's, this is going to change. This is why. And it just never changed. And the defense, you know, by the middle of the season is looking and going, hey, what are we supposed to do? Shut everyone fucking out? No, you can't do it. So it's just, um, it's tough. I, I think uh, I was watching those games like, man, Ellinger has to be perfect or else they're just never going to beat anybody good. So, uh, but there, anyway, just get all that off my chest. Uh, the big story here, I think, with TCU is quarterback Max Duggan, who started as the backup last week. I think this was mostly due to he had a, a heart condition they discovered in the offseason and had to have a procedure done, and they were still kind of working him up to full speed and kind of back to full strength. So I don't know if that was the reason he didn't start, but regardless, um, Matthew Downing was the starter. He was benched at halftime for Duggan, and Duggan responded by going out and went 16 of 19 in the second half, threw for 241 and three touchdowns, one interception. He's at 58K. I think there's a ton of value here. We just talked about that Texas D last week. We all saw that. So um, I really liked him last year as a fr true freshman when he started. If you read me at all or, or listened to him, I was always a big proponent of his. He does have a lot of um, accuracy issues, but um, a really good arm talent. And also uh, very good with his legs and make a lot of plays running. And in this matchup last year, he threw for 273 yards. Two touchdowns, one interception, also ran 13 times for 72 yards, and another touchdown. So um, I think this is a real interesting play. I think the only thing I would say is I, I think you're at least running some kind of risk that maybe because of the conditioning, maybe they're not ready to play him a full game. I don't know. That's just speculating, and I think it's something you should at least – you're assuming that risk a little bit unless they make an announcement like expected to play, starter, blah, 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 all that stuff. So – um, just not sure completely there, but I think he's really intriguing. And if you're looking to pay down to that position, probably my favorite guy this week. Um, additionally, with that offense, I really like Tay Barber's value at 5,700. He had a smaller role last year with Jalen Rager in the offense around, um, but he still proved to have very productive stat lines, and he should be the 1-1-A option in the pass game this year. So I, I like him, and I have no clue on the TCU RBs. Uh, I'm just not going to pretend like I have a strong opinion there. I'm avoiding it for now. I'm kind of wait and see there. And then uh, tight end, maybe Artavis, Artavius Lynn, 4,500. He had a line in that game of uh, that last their last game against Iowa State last week of 362 and one, and he caught a 48-yard touchdown from Duggan in that game. So uh, on the other side with Texas, I'll just reiterate kind of what I said about Texas RBs last week, and it's um, it's just tough. We saw Rashawn Johnson get the touchdown. And he is now pretty much almost evenly priced with Keontae Ingram. And I think that's probably fair. It's just they're both kind of splitting work almost 50-50. And we talked about Sam Ellinger kind of operates almost exclusively as the goal line back as well. So 
in order for these guys to hit, it's almost as if they have to break off touchdowns of like 20 yards or greater and score on long runs. Otherwise, they just don't have the touchdown upside, and it's just going to be tough to play them. So uh, it's something something important just to understand about that offense. As far as the receivers go, in a little more clarity there, I think Joshua Moore clearly emerging as a star wide receiver one for Ellinger in their first kind of normal game, I guess you could call that normal last week. Um, but normal full-time for the starters, right, playing four quarters. Looked like wide receiver Brendan Schuler uh, is more the better possession guy who's going to be catching a lot of those screens and intermediate routes. He had a 758-1 line in that game last year. So um, we still need to see them all together with Jake Smith to kind of have the full picture and knowing what to expect. But I think Schuler right here at 4,800 has some value in that offense. So uh, that's my thoughts for that game. Let's move on to South Carolina at Florida. Florida's minus 18 and a half over under a 57. And this is kind of where I need to start with the Damian Pierce mea culpa a little bit. Uh, He did average over six yards per carry, but the carries and the touches just weren't what I was hoping that they would be. And it's just, it's part of the deal, man. You're going to take chances. You're going to have um, opinions that are just not going to work out. Uh, That's the name of the game, and you have to kind of just uh, own it when it happens. Uh, I think the bigger point is from that game last week against Ole Miss is the ceiling of the Florida offense week to week moving forward. And we look at it and say, is this offense maybe in the bucket now with like Bama, Mississippi State, um, and maybe like LSU last year? I don't know that it's completely there, but I just want to give you a few Trask um, numbers since full-time starter. And I think week three or four last year, he has a 30 to 7 touchdown to interception ratio, almost 70% completion percentage. And these are in conference play. I mean, these are SEC teams they're going up against. Quarterback rating of 156 and almost eight and a half yards per attempt. And those are pretty, they're not elite numbers, but they're just maybe a tier below it. And uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting if you don't want to pay up, say, for someone like Alabama, you can maybe stack this team a little bit it's probably going to be good for four offensive scores most weeks probably five to six on the good ones and yeah you probably afford them a little bit more than maybe the alabamas of the world or the mississippi states which we're going to talk about for the night contest but um that is what i kind of wanted to relay about that i think there's something here and i think you're going to see kyle trask's name if you have not already come up in a lot of NFL draft talks, just playing at a really high level uh, in terms of college football quarterback play. The rest of the offense um, is pretty fairly priced, and I still think there is value in that backfield with Damian Pierce, just because, again, when you're in this offense that has that much touchdown upside week to week, he's still going to have big weeks where he can get his, and I think he's now at like 5,200, so I still think he's a uh, solid value there. And on the other side for South Carolina, I think the same thing I said last week. It's uh, she or is it Shy? I think it's Shy. I think I called him She last week, and I think it's Shy Smith. It's him or bust on this offense for me right now. Again, Nick Muse, a solid three to five catch for it tight end. The rest of it's just kind of working itself out. Uh, the quarterback play is all over the place, and I, I don't really trust anyone in the backfield quite just yet to invest. So that's my thoughts. Let's move on to UNC at BC. The over, or sorry, UNC is minus 13 half, over under of 53. I wrote about this on the post at fakepigskin.com. 
but maybe you uh, don't go there or maybe you just don't like to read. I get it. It's okay. That's why you're here. And the point I made is that it's the Daz Newsome misprice. And I think it was about, I already talked about like a few weeks ago in week one, they were one of those games on the board and they were in that DK contest. His price is like $7,800, which is probably where it should be. And I think I rattled off his average stat line. His average stat line from last year, I think 13 games they played, including the bowl game, was something like eight catches, 80-some yards, and .8 touchdowns. I mean, that's almost a touchdown a week is what he's averaging. So that's like a floor for him. So for 5400 this week, it's just a mistake by DK. And I think I will be uh, taking advantage fully probably in all my lineups, and I think you should consider it as well. Um, and again, this is another offense with really high-level quarterback play in Sam Howell. They're going to be good for four scores per week, likely, uh, with a good floor there. And again, five to six upside, similar to what I said about Florida. Uh, the only thing will kind of be, are they going to come in the air? Or are they going to come on the ground? And like I did in week one, I had... In all my UNC stack lineups, I had Howell to Newsom or Howell to not Dami Brown, the other uh, big-time receiver in this offense, and the running back, Michael Carter. And, of course, all I said all I said was, all right, as long as Javante Williams isn't getting rushing touchdowns, I'm good. And just like that, he had three in the game of their four offensive scores. So, as you may uh, tell, I had no cash lineups that week, and that was, uh, that was fun. So... Uh, yeah, I do personally like Michael Carter over um, Javante Williams in the backfield just because of I, I like I prefer backs that are more involved in the receiving games and what I view as kind of the bigger play uh, type profile guys that can kind of blow up more than than just count on the goal line carries, which Javante Williams looks like maybe that's going to be an exclusive role for him in the offense. So something to be aware of there. And for the rest of this offense, I think they're they're fairly priced. And yeah, you definitely want to get um, as many of these guys in your lives as possible. On the other side, we are out on Boston College. They're projected to score about 19 points. They had 297 total yards against fucking Texas State last week. They barely won. So I really don't know what to say about that. Um, I do like David Bailey at running back, and I think he has really high floors week to week. But in that last game as well, quarterback Phil Jerkovic, Led the team in rushing with an 837 two line. So it's just kind of, I don't know, it's a new quarterback, new coaching staff, new offense. It's just kind of hard to trust right now and pay the price. And I think I, I like options elsewhere. So I'm going to give Bailey a seat this week as well. So let's uh, go on to the next contest. It is uh, UCF, South Florida at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's minus 21, over under 45 and a half. We're still out on the Bulls of South Florida besides Johnny Ford. Uh, they're projected kind of a in a 33-12-ish to 12 -ish type score projection from Vegas. So it's just hard to play guys who they may not score a touchdown. I think in their last game they didn't against Notre Dame. I think it was 52 to nothing. So, yeah, just don't waste your time. And then uh, I think the big story, though, on the Cincinnati side is there could be a situation developing in their backfield so Jared Dokes, the projected cowbell role running back for him this season, in two games played so far, averaging 2.2 yards per carry. I did some digging, because I did not watch this game against Army, their last game. I did some digging into the game script and the play-by-play. -play, and here's the second half splits among the running backs in carries. And this was a close game. 
It was uh, McClellan, six, Jared Dokes, six, and then Jerome Ford, five. So, I mean, a three-headed monster now in the second half of a close game. And Dokes did break off a 60-yard touchdown catch that was kind of putting the game away. But if you saw it, which I watched the replay, it was kind of just a broken play and a total busted coverage. And something you can't rely on to happen week to week. So it was just kind of a, you know, that's not going to happen too many times. Um, so I look, I think it's a week where it's, it's tough to pay for Dokes. He has a huge price. And you see the kind of the alteration from the coaching staff to get the other guys involved to see if they can get something better going. So I don't know if I can do it. That said, I think the other guys with McClellan and Jerome Ford, they're under 4K. And this is a juicy matchup against South Florida, who allowed 430 yards of offense to Notre Dame in their last time out, 21 first downs, 281 came on the ground. So there's going to be all kinds of opportunity uh, for them to have a really effective run game against this team. Since Andy wants to run the ball, that's what their coach, um, I'm, I don't know, why, why do I blank on these names? The guy who didn't go to Michigan State, I was so pissed. Uh, Folk? Felic? Whatever. Anyway, um, so look, yeah, I think under 4K, I think those are really um, interesting plays here and could return a ton of value, maybe like a Deuce Vaughn, let's say, last week. So let's talk about um, the next game, and that's Texas Tech at Kansas State. Kansas State is minus 2.5 over under 64. Both these teams, uh, we got a couple of games in now, so we kind of know a little bit been able to draw some conclusions on them. A wide receiver for Texas Tech, the pecking order, pretty established. Uh, I think Kassan Carter is still a little undervalued. I think around 5K. I think he should be probably more up with TJ Vassar and Ezukama. Everybody else fairly priced. We know about Sarado Thompson. He's the Cowbell running back, and Alan Bowman is uh, he's effective as a quarterback, so he's uh, solid in a good matchup here. On the Kansas State side, also pretty set in at this point. Um, we saw the price jump with Deuce Vaughn. I still think he can be effective. It's just that you're going to have to pay the higher price now. And Malik Knowles. I might be coming like a truther with this guy, but I think the random blow-up game is coming. I think it's coming sooner than later. The upside, the, the offense isn't that potent, but he can be. And I think there's going to be some crazy, you know, game where he returns a kick for a touchdown. Kind of like a, a Treston Ebner type game that we saw from in Baylor last week. I think that could come from someone like Knowles here, uh, just randomly. We don't know what's going to happen, but I think at 5K, he's someone to consider as that type of profile. And then uh, Briley Moore, still mispriced. He should be closer to 5K, and I think it's someone definitely to consider. When that touchdown got called back, it was probably against Oklahoma. And if you watch, you know what I'm talking about. Probably in the top eight or nine worst moments of my life. It's a true story. It really is. It hurt that bad. And then freshman running back in that game, Keon Mosey. Uh, he had one catch for like 60, 70 yards. So, hey, he's 3K. You know, we talk about those candidates, those minimum price candidates each week that can maybe just fill out a lineup and just get your price up way high for, for the rest of the guys. He's a guy to consider. All right, that's it for that game. Let's keep going. And it is... Ole Miss at Kentucky. Kentucky is six and a half favorites over under 58 and a half. And we, for Ole Miss, it looks like Matt Corral is a clear QB one for now. Um, JRP, John Reese Plumley, he threw a pass, he ran four times, and caught a pass. 
So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what his usage is going to be. And also, what is then the risk to playing Corral? I, it's it's going to be hard to say. I think he's such a good athlete that they're going to have to find ways to get him involved because he is that explosive. And I'm referring to JRP there. Um, so I think you want to be a little bit careful playing Corral. And this is also not maybe the best matchup to do it at Kentucky, who's a little more defensive-minded. So um, just something to consider there. If you're into the uh, also 3K dart throws like I am, junior running back Tylen Knight and freshman Casey Kelly in that uh, their last game, both minimum price 3K, had a little bit of run in that game. Just saying, something to think about. On the other side, it's, uh, you know, and also I, I also want to mention on the Ole Miss side, Elijah Moore, wide receiver, and Jaron Ely, or Eli, is it Ely? Eli. Anyway, at running back, those are the clear kind of number one players at their position that I think are the most reliable in this offense. However, this week, I think it might be a little tough matchup, especially for Jarian. Um, Auburn running backs against Kentucky ran the ball last week 20 times for 65 yards. That score is a little bit deceiving anyway. It looked like kind of an Auburn blowout, but it was a close game until Kentucky uh, had two turnovers on their side of the field and led to short field touchdowns for Auburn and kind of put them away. So um, just something to think about. That, that was a pretty close game, and then Kentucky was playing their run game really, really tough. The other thing I think is really important about this game is the quarterback situation for Kentucky. We have Auburn transfer Joey Gatewood this week now immediately ruled eligible to play. Um, I don't know what this does for their starter, whose name I can't think of. Why do I do this? Oh, my God. Anyway, um, I think this is a solid place for any quarterback against a really soft matchup with Old Miss's defense to have some value, but I don't know if what their plans are for Gatewood, and it might just be a risk you're going to have to take here moving forward if you're starting um, Terry Wilson. I think Terry Wilson, yes, yes, Terry Wilson. Um, but yeah, I think he has some value here if he is in fact the starter. So uh, backfield with Kentucky, I think has a lot of value this week, but it can be a total guessing game. Based on price alone, I think Asim Rose and Chris Rodriguez have great floors in this, again, very plus matchup against Ole Miss. We saw what Florida did to this defense last week. And at wide receiver for Kentucky, it's Josh Ali or Bust. Pretty solid floor, solid price, I should say, for what he got last week, which was a line of nine catches for 98 yards and looked to be clearly uh, the wide receiver one and the go-to guy in this offense. So... Um, he's got a solid price, I think around 5K or so. So let's get out of this game now and go to the next one. Big board this week, too. 13 full games so far, nothing canceled. Um, it's Baylor, minus three at West Virginia. And the story for Baylor, I think in their, it was their first game last week, was uh, Treston Ebner. He ran, caught, and returned two kickoffs for touchdowns. And it kind of just threw off the game flow impact in a way, especially in the second half because the, both those kickoff returns came. And the starters only had one offensive drive uh, where they were on the field in that half. So we never got a real chance to see Brewers' uh, preferences and some uh, normal game flow and what where he was going to kind of be targeting the most. And Tyler Tyquan Thornton also had zero catches and zero targets. Um, he's at 5,400, and I'm not sure if he... 
I didn't get to watch this game, but I went and looked. I, I looked at their play charts, and it looked like I didn't see him targeted or had a catch. So I, I'm assuming he played and he was in the game. I didn't. I did a little googling. Did not find anything about him sitting out or anything like that. So I think it just got it was a weird game again. The kickoff returns and um, Brewer didn't really have to do much with his arm anyway. They ran all over the, these guys. So. Um, but he's at 5,400. And the point I made last week about Baylor and not having Denzel Mims now, who was a very clear number one receiver for Brewer. And if we were assuming Thornton was going to step into that role, which everyone is, that he's capable of huge stat lines, uh, huge productive days week to week. And Brewer, who's a competent quarterback. So I think that's something to really consider if, in fact, his status is uh, certain that he's playing. And this is going to be the first game probably where they're going to have some normalish game flow against West Virginia. As far as the rest of them go, I still prefer Josh Fleeks to Sneed because of the price. Uh, and maybe, who knows, maybe Ebner, because of the way he's used, it's kind of like Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis last year. Is he a running back? Is he a receiver? Um, or even like Antonio Gibson last year from Memphis. He just kind of lines up everywhere and they use him. So who knows, maybe he becomes the most effective receiver and steps into some sort of Denzel Mims types role with uh, rushing stats upside. So something to, something to kind of uh, monitor for Baylor here this week. And um, I think the lowered price on John Lovett is a mistake. I think because he Ebner's big game, DK adjusted his price down, and he still had 17 carries. And if he gets that workload uh, against West Virginia, I think he could be in line for a big day. Cowboys of Oklahoma State ran all over West Virginia last week. They had 33 carries for 204 yards amongst their running backs. So um, definitely keep an eye on Lovett in that price if you're looking for maybe a little bit of value or looking to pay down at that position. On the West Virginia side of things, I think this is pretty straightforward at this point. Uh, Letty Brown has the cowbell roll in the backfield. You see his price, it's like around 7,300. So um, you gotta pay the price. We for, for the first time we saw TJ Simmons with all the rest of the receivers. Uh, last week against Oklahoma State, who had a, who was tough def- tougher defensively this year, and um, I don't know. I think this is just going to take a while to work itself out with Jared Dodge. My favorite would be Sam James, uh, but I think there are other areas on this slate at wide receiver with similar prices and a little bit more clarity. I prefer to target. So I'm just going to move on to what some of those might be, and we're going to go to well. Maybe not. Maybe they're already mentioned because we got about three games left, and I'm gonna try to make this quick because I'm not that all that interested in some of these games. The next one is Vatek at Duke. Vatek is minus 12 over under 54. I mean, how bad is Duke if they're getting 12 at home from Virginia Tech? Who well, I'm not even sure is any good to begin with. So look, I'm kind of out altogether on this game. On both sides, the quarterback plays all over the place. I don't know who's starting. I don't know if they're rotating. Um, or if any of them are even good to begin with. So the ceiling just isn't there to warrant my investment. I just would like to look elsewhere. So that's where we're going to go. And then we're going to go to NC State at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is minus 14 over under 48. And we'll just keep it simple here. If I said I was out on Louisville's offense last week because they were going to a tough matchup with Pitt, I'm definitely out on NC State's. Uh, just can't pay the price. And then on Pitt, I think we're getting a pecking order that's uh, kind of currently stabilizing a little bit. Jordan Addison, he might kind of be the wide receiver one maybe now. I, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking about that this week. Third straight seven-catch game last week, and uh, Kenny Pickett likes this dude. He's clearly become a go-to guy for him. It was the first game with Taser Mack last week, and I think his 4700 price is a mistake as well. 
he has a way too big upside week to week to be 4,700. He should always be probably around at least 6K. And then I also think it's an interesting play this week with Vincent Davis, who is a lead back in this offense in a great matchup against the Wolfpack D, allowed tons of long runs to Vatek running backs last week. And as a team, including the quarterback runs, they average over seven yards per carry um, on this defense. So I think this is a great spot for him. His price, 4700 Again, if you're looking to pay down here and pay up elsewhere, I think Vincent Davis is a great candidate running back to do that. And then the last game of the board, it's Missouri at Tennessee. Tennessee, minus 12 over under 48. How bad is Missouri uh, to be getting 12 points from Tennessee? Again, who I'm not, they need to be giving 12 points to conference teams. Uh, so I'm kind of out on the Tigers here. Maybe Larry Roundtree. Um, he did have a decent yards per carry against Bama, and he looks to be just a very clear lead back. So I don't know. Something to consider. He's probably good for 15 to 20 touches. Um, and South Carolina running backs, Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick, last week averaged four and a half yards per carry on the Tennessee defense. So maybe something to consider. But otherwise, just kind of I'm, I'm all out in, on uh, Missouri. And there's just better options elsewhere in my mind. Uh, like 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 the aforementioned Vincent Davis. On the other side, the only playable guys on Tennessee for me are Eric Gray and Josh Palmer. Um, maybe worth mentioning that in that first game, senior wide receiver Vilas Jones Jr. had a five catch 29 line. He's at 3,900. And uh, my freshman wide receiver dart throw Jalen Hyatt that I had mentioned for the night contest, still the minimum 3K price. He was on the field. I did see him get one target, um, but no stat lines, unfortunately. And I did have him in a lot of lineups, so I know. But I think this is a guy, again, it's kind of like Murphy's Law. Whatever can happen will happen. And as long as the guy's on the field, hey, you never know. You could catch a screen pass, some guy could trip, and next thing you know, you ran 60 yards for a touchdown. I mean, it's all speculation, right? And you just got to be on the field for anything to happen. So I think the fact that he was out there a little bit is helpful. And again, if you're considering, if you'd like to start your lineups or end your lineups with some of these guys at bare minimum 3K price, I think he makes sense. That is it. I did it. You did it. 13-game board is done. I wish everyone the best of luck. And uh, we will see you next time. Make sure to stick around for the NFL Pick segment coming up next. It is week four in the NFL. As always, I'm joined uh, by the doctor. He came in hot last week with another four and one to ten and five now on the season. Uh, welcome in. How are you and uh, thoughts on last week? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about the results last week. Um, I, I did want, do want to mention, uh, give you a little pass on that Bears-Falcons debacle. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to bring that up or not. You did mention that you didn't think Mitch would get to 3-0. And and frankly, he, did, he didn't he did get to 3-0. We, we didn't know I, Big big Dick Nick was going to make the make an entry. 
and he did. So you may have already, you may have planned to bring this up, but I wanted to let you off the hook a little bit. And you know, normally I don't like to let you off the hook, but sure. it was fair to bring it up. It is. Um, well, yeah. And on my side, I took a big shit all over myself with one and four last week. Um, so, and, and that was, that was part of it. But I look, I take responsibility for the Washington football team in Denver kind of got trying to get it a little bit too cute. And, and says, I'm going to do that from time to time and try to be a little bit contrarian. Maybe here this week too as well. But um, yeah, I don't accept responsibility for um, the Bears. And uh, I, I, you know, Matt, Matt Nagy, that was his fault. He took Atlanta's best player out of the game. And um, yeah, like, he, like you said, large penis Nick all of a sudden. <laughs> Just going out there and pull another rabbit out of his ass. I have no clue what happened in that game. And if you're Atlanta, I mean, I kind of looked at the board this week, and I, I really thought Green Bay laying seven. And I thought that's just that's too many points. Atlanta really should be two and one. They're not like playing badly. So I I don't know what to do with them. But uh, I, I'm not going to pick that game this week. I'm staying away from it. But I just thought, man. They still got Julio Jones, Kelvin Ridley, probably the top, in the top 10, 12 receivers in football. And they can put up points probably on anybody. So I don't know. I, I just – I don't know what you do if you're an Atlanta fan. Yeah, it's not good. You'd think with – because the offense has been, you know, pretty good. Um, you know, the problem is if the offense has to punt once or twice, it's like game over. Like, I, I mean, just their, their defense can't stop anybody. You'd think they'd be able to come up with a scheme to – uh, at least slow some teams down, and then you know, hopefully Matt Ryan, that receiving core, just tear it up like they have been. But they, they can't figure it out on defense. No, and, and the two improbable uh, blowing of the leads. I mean, I think we both looked at their win probabilities were I think around 100 percent in Dallas, and I think it was like 99 percent at one point with Chicago. So it's just I, it's a mess. It's a is mess. this just um, going back to the Super Bowl? Like, is this what is this it? Like, is this their culture now? Like, it just. I, Go ahead. Go, go well, I was going to say, I, yeah, it happens. I had that exact thought when I was thinking about this. I was like, how how is this happening? What is possible? And I thought, that that really, because you mentioned it, that Super Bowl, that is like whatever this is, the Dan Quinn era, the Matt Ryan era, that is this team's legacy. And I don't know that they're ever going to live that down. And maybe you shouldn't live it down. I mean, it's just, I. it, 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 seems, like, it seems like it's like lingering. I mean, that's the only thing I can point to. It's a little ridiculous. <laughs> three years ago but you do have to wonder like why is this happening to this team in, in like this in this way all the time so yeah tough stuff um because they, they do have some talent but uh they're they're not two and one they are one and two um so look let's talk about uh records here as i mentioned one and four for me last week against the spread um six eight and one overall i got work back to do now to get to uh, a winning record and as mentioned, you were four and one to ten and five on the season. Some good stuff from you. And you had some laughers in there as well, I think. So it's always nice to have a few comfortable games in the fourth quarter where you're not looking up going, okay, okay. Because I'll tell you this too, doctor. I looked up at the beginning of the fourth quarter in my games. I had four games on the board. And I was actually covering all of them. And I thought, I got a good look at like maybe four and oh right here. I was kind of excited. And then uh, one thing after another. I, I can't go into it all. But um the only the only win I took away was uh, Joe Burrow in whatever is left of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they did their job with the tie, but uh, yeah, that was that was uh, crazy. I don't know what's wrong with them or Carson Wentz, but it's not good. Uh, let's do overall the board and the trends. And you know, this is the league. Last year we talked about that crazy underdog trend through like seven eight weeks, 
And now we're back to the, the league that we all know and love where it's basically a coin toss and there are no edges, there are no good trends. And why anyone would ever bet on this stuff or try to make picks is ridiculous. So listen to these numbers. Uh, favorites versus underdogs through three weeks, 21-23. Home versus road splits against the spread, 24-23. and 23. Home favorites are 16 and 15. Home dogs are 7, 5, and 1. Favorites, uh, substantial favorites, we consider of 7 or 9 and 5 against the spread. And then outright losses of those substantial favorites, just two. I believe they were both in week one. So just a very even split, no matter what trend you're looking at against the spread. And then this week we have eight home favorites, six home dogs. We know that the Steelers and Titans are postponed. And we had a pick last night in the Thursday night game that pretty sure no one watched including myself and then uh we have six substantial favorites in the form of baltimore rams tb12 kansas city san francisco and green bay and i think i just want to say too if philadelphia they can't go and cover seven at san francisco's second string i don't know like <laughs> i saw that line i thought that was nuts but maybe it's just that bad I, I mean, I think it is. What would lead you to believe they are gonna cover? Well, I mean, they're just they're playing a they're playing a backup football team. San Francisco doesn't have any of their best players. Well, the San Francisco covered last week. Yeah, again, it's the Giants. I understand, well, but uh, the Giants, they, they, they covered. Whatever you want to say, they covered. Okay, all right. Well, look. I mean, um, maybe, maybe maybe Philadelphia's first string is a second string. Like, have you thought about that? That starting to make sense. Uh, yeah. I guess that. And Thank I, you. That's why no I'm the doctor. Receiver. That's why they call me the doctor. <laughs> I know they have no receivers, but uh, I don't know. They did this last year, and they still, you know, got to. I think they got to nine or nine wins, nine and seven. It's just in Wentz. You mentioned it. We were messaging on Sunday. I mean, just so trigger shy, uh, so uncomfortable in the pocket. I don't know what to make of that. So it just something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but maybe playing hurt. But anyway, this week we're going to doing our best bets. Our five favorites against the spread for this week. Uh, would you like to go with your first pick? Sure, I'll I'll kick it off. Uh, I'll kick it off with the Jags uh, going to your boy uh, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati. Uh, the Bengals are are favored by three. Um, you got the one and two Jags coming in, and the o oh, two and one Bengals. Kind of both teams need something to happen. Um, as you mentioned, Cincinnati is coming off that tie to gutless Philadelphia, who, who wouldn't take a shot at the end of that game. And then the Jags had that miserable Thursday night loss to the Dolphins. So, I mean, both are really looking for something to happen. Uh, I like Cincinnati in this one. I think your boy Burrow has, has played pretty well. He's he's looked poised and confident, taking care of the ball. Um, you know, I think he's ready to get that first of what I think you and I both think will be many, many NFL wins. Uh, the other thing is, you know, the, the Jaguars' pass defense has been uh, basically the worst in the league. Um, Bob, if I were to ask you what you think the quarterback completion percentage is uh, for QBs playing against the Jaguars, what would you guess? 68%. Yeah, that'd be a fair guess. 80%. 80. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, 80%. They've given up third most uh, touchdown passes as well, and they're uh, 
least amount of sacks in the NFL with three. So I think that sets up well for Burrow to really, really have a day. I think we'll, we would both say he's looked pretty good. Um, you you give him that type of pass defense, and I think we're going to see something special out of him where he converts a lot more touchdowns and, and they win big. Last thing I'll say is, you know, Cincinnati's weakness this year has been uh, the run D, and the Jags are, are very below average at run offense. So uh, let's go Burrow, Cincinnati minus three. I, I like that pick um, for the reasons you mentioned in Burrow. And also, just a lot of things to be excited about there. T. Higgins caught a couple touchdowns, um, yeah. another one of their high draft round picks. So, sure is bright for the Bengals. I wish I could say the same about maybe another losing franchise that we all know about, but I haven't talked about them yet. Uh, all right, I'll go with my first pick here. Um, we've talked about the Chargers a little bit already this season. What What is kind of... What do they rely on a lot to have their success? You're asking me? I am asking you. Uh, oh, oh, okay, I wasn't sure that's rhetorical. Well, they didn't have much success uh, last week because uh, they turned it over, I think, four times. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the week before they looked good against Kansas City and slowing the other team down. So I guess slowing the pace down in defense? Well, running the ball. Um, and it goes to slowing the pace down. And they're traveling. And there's another theme here this week. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of coast to coast traveling, Doctor. And a lot of a lot of a lot of west to east early 1 p.m. games. Always a tough trend, and um, for those traveling teams. And so, look, the Chargers want to hand the ball off to the rookie Joshua Kelly and get Austin Eckler involved as well there and the pass game. And do you know what the ranking was for Tampa's run defense last year? I do not. It was first. Do you know what it is through this year? It's third. They're averaging 70 yards per game. They're holding their opponents to on the ground. That's elite level numbers. And they, as I mentioned, the cross country, 1 p.m. traveling for their young QB, who's probably going to be a lot of third and longs based on that run defense statistic I just mentioned. That's not a good trend against a team who's also third right now in sacks in the league. So. Listen, I think this is a tough spot for uh, a young quarterback to be in and try to go into Tampa against Team 12 and get a win. And I'm going to take Tampa minus this. And I'll also say this. Um, the strength of the Charger team also on the other side of the ball was their pass rush ability. Now Melvin Ingram joins their Pro Bowl safety, Derwin James, on IR. So... It just gets to a point with some of these teams, like San Francisco, we mentioned. As soon as like all these main cogs on each side of all start going out, it's no longer the Niners. It's no longer the Chargers. You can't treat them that way. So, I think this is going to be a uh, a tough for LA. I want TB12 minus the seven points. All right. Well, you know, You're, I'm always I'm always in favor of taking TB12, uh, no matter what uniform he has on. It usually works out well. Um, well, I'll, I'll build on your theme a little bit of the, of the cross-country travel. You've got the 3-0 and Seahawks traveling to the 1-2 and Dolphins. Yep. Dolphins coming off that big Thursday night uh, win last week, so they're, they're well-rested. And, and Seattle coming off kind of two, you know, two bigger wins um, as, in typical Seattle fashion, very chaotic games and, and wild. So I think there, there could be a, a little bit of a you know a letdown coming for the Seahawks, especially with that travel. Um, they've needed some big late game plays to cover the last two weeks. Not to mention the travel. I mean they're they're beat up 
uh, linebackers secondary, a couple injuries there. They're giving up a league worst uh, six yards per game and giving up almost 30 points per game, which you know, it's higher scoring this year in the NFL. So I think that puts them at like you know, eighth worst, but um, still, still a lot of points. And you know, shockingly, the past couple of weeks, the, the Dolphins offense has been pretty efficient with Fitz Magic. So you, you kind of put all that together. Um, I'm going Miami plus six and a half here. You know, not to mention the public is loving Seattle at 78% of the public bets on that. So injuries, travel, as you like to say, uh, defense <laughs> travels, even <laughs> shitty ones. So we got a shitty one traveling and a, and a well-rested Dolphins team kind of makes sense for Miami plus a six and a half here. Oh, well, I'm glad you said that. My next pick is Miami plus six and a half. All right. Uh, I, think, I think it was the first time we might be aligned. Right. Yeah. That, okay, I don't know what that's going to mean, but um, look, I'll kind of add on a little bit to what you said, too, with the uh, defense and kind of a team. There's a couple of undefeated teams who could easily be like one and two, kind of like we said, Atlanta could be easily be two and one. Uh, they're, they're very in either or games. And Russell Wilson in two of these games has basically be perfect for them to win. And that's just not going to be a recipe for long-term success because that defense dead last in the NFL and giving up yards per game at the moment at 500 a game right now. That's what the defense is allowing. 430 that is in the air. So the, in the, the next closest team that I looked at that was 350. I mean, that's how these, it's not just dead last. These numbers are horrifying. So look, they can't stop anybody. And uh, like you said, I think Fitzmagic has been competent. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a prime letdown week for them. I can see this being maybe even a, in a loss because I think if you look at Seattle, the way they're built, like you said, it's just, it's Russell Wilson and just, he has to be an alien. He has to be perfect all the time for them to be successful. Um, so what do you make of them? Do you think they're three and oh, do you view them as like a 13, 12 win team? Or do you view them closer to like I do to like a 10 and six type team? And if you do, Look, they're going to lose some of these games. It's going to happen. So I think this is a week where it could be clipped or at least um, maybe a late game, fourth quarter drive, and uh, they win no cover, let's say. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm with the uh, Dolphins plus six and a half as well. Yeah, I, I think – I still think Seattle is probably going to win the game. I just – I see the Dolphins covering. I, I do see Seattle as a you know, as a 12-win team. I mean, if, you, if you go look out at their schedule um, – Sure. You know what what we you know thought with the Niners being a tough team um, and then you know the Cardinals I'll mix it so their division isn't as tough as, as maybe we thought because the Niners are let down so that might give them another win or two but the rest of their schedule is pretty pretty garbage they have the Giants the Eagles the crossovers NFC East right so um, okay that's a pretty good that's a pretty good crossover to have so anyway I see them as, I do see them as a 12 win team I, I obviously agree with the pick and um, I just think Seattle still wins the game, but um, Miami's going to cover. Okay. And um, I actually have uh, Fitz Magic to my new running back, Miles Gaskin, a lot, a lot of places in fantasy. So I'm excited for that too. Um, and I just want to add that Jamal Adams, widely expected not to play. He's the best player on that shitty defense. So even shittier now. Um, do you want to jump to your next pick or want me I, to go? Yeah, I'll, I'll go to my next one. Sure. Um, Vikings headed to Houston to play the Texans. Uh, we've got two uh, 0-3 teams here. 
Look, I, I look at this one. You mentioned Deshaun Watson can't go to can't go to O three last week, and I, <laughs> I I wanted I wanted to believe that. I'm picking this one just based on the fact that he can't go to O four. Like he's too he's too good to be O four. They've had the toughest schedule to date: right? Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh, and they they have had a tough go of it. Uh, so I I just think this this has to be a game. Or where they get a, where they get a win. I mean, it just has to be. They got it. If they're going to do anything with this season, this is a must-win. They they know it, and and they're going to get it done. Minnesota looked okay last week, but in the end, they still blew a lead to the Tennessee. And and I think they are, you know, they're still struggling defensively. I think they had a reasonably okay offensive week, but I don't think it's anything sustainable. So, uh, give me give me Houston just based on Deshaun Watson just willing his team to get a win this week. I like that. I try to, you know, pull that narrative last week and uh, almost worked out. It's just yeah. uh, Pittsburgh just kind of took care of business at the end of the game. So, um, and yeah, I mean, look, Deshaun or Kirk, come on. What, what, right. what, what are we talking, talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So speaking of traveling, doctor, we both know that defense travels, especially when it doesn't have to travel very far from Indianapolis to Chicago. And do you remember when the Bears were this dominant, you know, elite defense about maybe two years ago? I do. Well, they've been usurped, my friend. They're now statistically through three games. And oh, this trend's going back to last year. They're in very middle league right now. Um, and you, they can be had. The Colts, on the other hand, a league leading 225 yards per game allowed. Total yards. That's uh, crazy. I don't care. Yeah, you can say Oh, but it's the Jags and uh, the Jets. I get it. So does Nick Foles scare me now in the Bears offense? No, it's the same thing. So um, sure, he's I think Dick. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, but look, that 225 yards per game, too. The next best is Pittsburgh, who also has a great defense at 290. So this is those are crazy numbers. Uh, they're top 10 in sacks. They're first in yards per pass attempt at 4.7, opposing pass attempt. And uh, opposing QB rating, also league leading, 64. So um, I love defense. You know I love running backs, too, and the running game. I love that combination. Uh, last two games, they had 141 running back yards two weeks ago, 119 more last week. At the age of 100, Phillip Rivers leads the league in 78% completion percentage, and he's fifth in yards per attempt for a guy who I didn't think had an arm as well. So, um, look. He, all he has to do is just be confident, which he's proven he still is. And they're going to be in a lot of position to win the game. So I like the Colts minus two and a half, win, cover, and take this most fraudulent 3-0 team I've ever seen in my life to their first loss in Chicago. Uh, do you have some hate for the Bears or what? what? Is this going back to last week? That sounded very passionate at the end, this fraudulent 3-0 team. It wasn't just, hey, they're frauds. That was, there was some passion in that. What's the deal there? Because I am passionate that they're fraudulent. <laughs> they, they are. It's terrible. How is this three and zero? I mean, it's it's ridiculous to see them at three and zero in like Atlanta at one. It's just it's unbelievable. Um, they're not good. They're not going to be in the playoffs though. And uh, as I said last week, Mitchell Trubisky will not be in this league next year. So that's trending pretty well. That could have been the start of it. Yeah, last week for sure. <laughs> um, would you like to call your next? Pick? I will. So. I got Arizona uh, headed to Carolina. Uh, Arizona's laying three and a half. Uh, so last week, 
surprising win for Carolina and surprising L, not according to the to the doctor, and, I, and I'll include you in that. Uh, su- surprising L to most of the GP for the cards last week. Right. Uh, I, I don't see either one of those happening again this week. Uh, tides will turn because of the turnovers. So last week, the cards offense still played pretty well. You just you had, you had Murray with with three turnovers. Uh, and then tough game side, for him. It was it was a tough. Game. It was not it, a lot of them were not good. Or a couple of them were not good. It was a tough game for him. But he still had a lot of yards. I, I think he'll get that cleaned up. On the flip side, the Panthers forced uh, four turnovers last week uh, against San Diego, which really gave them the win. San Diego outgains Carolina by I think like 150 yards. So Carolina really couldn't couldn't stop anybody. So I think you neutralize the turnovers this week and things kind of go back to normal and then Carolina's going to struggle and that Cardinal offense is going to continue to gain yards and, and not turn over and get points this week. So uh, another another traveling from uh, from east from west coast to east coast, but I, but I think this time the west coast team gets it done. Arizona well, three and a half. All right, and that's um, you mentioned that because this is my cute pick of the week. Um, everything you said makes perfect sense, and I have no reason. I don't think anyone else could explain to me why anyone should take Carolina. So I'm going to go contrarian here, and I'm taking the Panthers plus three and a half. And I'll just uh, lead into my last pick. And instead of going west to east, we're going east to west, Doctor. The Bills, the undefeated Bills traveling to Las Vegas. And the Bills are also kind of a weird 3-0. Could easily be 1-2. and two. They had that crazy uh, blown lead last week and managed to come back. And we're very fortunate on a uh, uh, pretty bad call to uh, yeah. have to win that game. Yep. And um, so could have lost that game. Could have easily lost the Dolphins the week prior. And kind of similar to my Seattle logic, and this is my opinion, I don't view Seattle as a 12, 13-win team. I also don't do Buffalo as that. And so this would be a week where I think if you think they're just going to be a closer to 10 and 6 and they're going to have those six losses, I think it makes sense here. Raiders coming off a tough loss in New England. They're back at home. Uh, Bills have to travel, as I said. Bills D also viewed as very good from last year, uh, currently 21st in yards allowed per game. So not a very high rated there. And I just think it's a nice bounce back spot for the Raiders to clip the Bills here and bring them to their first loss. The Raiders plus three points in wow. Las Vegas. All right. Well, good that you threw in your uh, cute game. I'll, I guess I'll end with my, what some might call cute. So we got Baltimore, Washington, Oh, no. Baltimore minus 14. <laughs> uh, this one jumps off the page for a couple reasons right away. Get the 14-point spread, very large. 80% of the money is on Baltimore. Add in Baltimore coming off a bad performance. Uh, you know, Ravens are going to be looking to get out in front of this one early, which you know we've seen when they get out early, they're very good. Uh, this year, their two games, their two wins uh, over the Texas and Browns outscored them 71 to 22. Throwing the Washington side of it, they lost to the Browns and Cardinals by 14 and 15, respectively. You got no Chase Young. Haskins has not looked good, so you, you shouldn't have any hope. Uh, no. I'll throw in uh, some ATS stats. Uh, Baltimore 6-0 ATS in the last six road games. Washington 1-5 ATS in the last six games overall. So 
I found no reason to take the Washington football team, which means I have every reason to take the Washington <laughs> football team. And so I'm taking Washington plus 14. I'll throw in one more little tidbit here. In 2019, Baltimore was 5-0 and against non-playoff teams with an average win of 26. But right now, your Washington football team sits atop the NFC East and would be considered a playoff team. So you can throw that one out. Washington can, uh, maintains their top spot in the NFC East for probably a loss, <laughs> but within 14 points. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I, you know, and look, I, I don't think the team around Haskins is necessarily terrible. They, they have talent. We talked about their defensive line before in their front. Uh, has a lot of talent. I know no Chase Young. But they were winning that game in the fourth quarter, 2017, against the Browns last week. And then Haskins just can't stop turning the ball over and now leads uh, Vegas odds for next quarterback to be benched. So, and, I, and, also, and also, Ron Rivera also had some, uh, let's just call them very non-supportive comments to uh, say regarding his starting quarterback. So, I, I know there is, there is no reason. Uh, you, you're correct. And I, I think it makes perfect sense for the Ravens, who kind of got outclassed on Monday night, to be, this is a spot where they just kind of they just kind of outclassed this team um, that they're gonna has a much higher advantage against uh, than they would Kansas City. But um, I want to say something else. Oh yeah, speaking of teasers, ooh, would you would this be interesting? <laughs> ball, ball, Baltimore minus four. The Rams minus three against the Giants and TB12 to plus three at home against the Chargers. Give me a break. Is that something you might be interested in? That's right. That's right. Everyone do that at home, all right? Um, all right. Yeah, so uh, I'm through my five. You're through your five. Correct? That is correct. Yes. Well, let's keep it going. Um, you know, well, I, think I, I would like to keep it going. You're probably looking for a turnaround. I think is a better way to say that. That's correct. It's just look, yeah. the goal. The goal is just three and two for me. That's, that's all I want. If you do three and two every week, you know you got a nice little percentage. But uh, yeah, I guess you know I like to be better for the listeners. I, I don't know about you. I like to be a little better. <laughs> I like to strive for four and one, being realistic but also being great. That's what we my, do. My my bread and butter is the first segment, so that's fine. Um, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I think that's very true. All right, before we get out of here, any uh, disparaging remarks about LeBron or anything like that? No, I guess I'll I'll let that slide. We got game game two of the finals tonight. I. I probably won't watch games. I can't stand the, the officiating um, so bad. So I think I'll probably have to pass on that, and I'll, I'll refrain from making any COVID comments at this point in time. Okay. I mean, do you do you think that maybe um, do you think maybe Michael Jordan ever got any calls or was treated differently? Oh, look, I believe every star gets some level of calls, but to the the amount that LeBron gets. Um, I should say the queen gets seems to be seems to be an excess. He's also, uh, you know, his style of play where it's drop the shoulder and go is <laughs> it makes it a bit more frustrating to watch because they, they almost never call an offensive foul when they probably could 50% of the time. But there's contact, so it's so easy to call a defensive foul. That's what makes it very tough to watch. Not only that, he he whines way more than any star that's that's ever been. Uh, in the league, and when he when he does get fouled, it looks he likes to drop to the ground like he got shot. Well, and they all do that. They all no, do that. yeah. He he started that in a way that was <laughs> in a way that oh come on, Bob, 
come on. She didn't start it. <laughs> he, I was say, if any, I, I, he, Reggie, he, Reggie Miller started it. <laughs> he took it to the. He took it to another level. Uh, so anyway, it's, it's, it's more. It's a lot of it's his style of play does earn him more frequent bad calls from refs than uh, you know, like let's say a Jordan or a Kobe uh, would would have gotten. And you know, they should really address that because all he does is bulldoze people over and, and get bailed out. Yeah, it's, it's it is. Um, oh wow! Okay, I was in agreement. Oh no, I I agree with the style of play. It's just yeah, the bull rush, and it's unstoppable. And if you get in his way. Um, <laughs> Well, it's unstoppable because you—it's because you can't get in his way to to create contact because you never get the call. So it's like—and let's not forget—you know, typically you've got you know a very important player guarding him and that needs to make himself available. So you go back to history and you watch games like, oh, you never get a call your way uh, playing defense. You you have to like almost get out of his way. Yeah, to I avoid think him. now. Yeah, no, I, I no, you're, you're, I, I hear you. Um, it's a fair point, but I think now, um, I think Goran Dragic is now out tonight, and someone else too. So it's probably going to be a quick, uh, quick series here. So I, I, my, my apologies in advance, or my condolences for uh, his next title. Well, I mean, there's good luck. This is, you can say it's a title. There's definitely an asterisk next to it. Whether, well, I agree with that. Not there is. It was a shortened season. It was done in a bubble. They're, not every team was included. Like, how is it a normal season? So there's masters. You know, okay. <laughs> what? I, I love. Stop it. I love those are facts. Those are facts. Those are facts. Good for you. I, I love all these people. It's a level playing field. They all have the same circumstances. Uh, look, no, did they, I, the Pistons have the same circumstances? Pistons, Pistons, they were. They're so bad. They're not even. Bubble. They weren't invited to the bubble, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're fair? terrible. Who cares? Yes, it's fair. Well, yeah, it's maybe, fair maybe because they these suck. Other teams, maybe some of these other teams that were, you know, maybe not as good would have benefited from playing their full 82-game schedule to get better. I mean, isn't that part of part of basketball is to, is to get better as you build as a team throughout the season? The circumstances are the same for that's all the teams. That you can say that's fine. It's still different than any other season. So there's an asterisk next to it. Okay, well, then, then we get to put an asterisk on any Super Bowl winner, and we get to put an asterisk on all the college football, too. And I, that's, cause I love wow. the people that are doing that now. Oh, because the fans aren't there. I, look, I had, I had to listen to people this week talk about Mississippi State and how, oh, if, if the oh, fans were there, there, there's no way that uh, it went for, for 600 no, yards. The, 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 I think college, there certainly should be something there, looking at asterisk of some sort. I mean, not every team's going to play, not every league's going to play the same amount of games. Um, from the Super Bowl side, no, I don't think that I don't think that matters. It's not a fan thing. They'll they'll play everybody will play their you know sixteen games will be fine. Uh, but that's but do you do you specifically devalue the performance of like Mississippi State and say like oh that wouldn't have happened if it was a packed house they wouldn't have had that dominant performance like that. I've, I've had to hear that this week and I'm like what why oh. what it what, uh, is this, what what is this. Yeah, I mean, there's a. I guess there's a little truth to it, but I, I wouldn't. What, what well, I, yeah, so, so what are they? It's, it's a neutral five hundred and six hundred yards. Right. It's a neutral site game. So whatever. You, you want to sit there not home games? That's fine. Call it a neutral site game. You still, um, you still got whooped. So whatever. Whatever. All right. Well, that was great. <laughs> wow, that was a, just quite a tangent there. Okay. Hey, that was that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Um, there we go. Uh, all right. Well, um, good luck to you. Good luck to everyone else out there. And we will see you next time. All right. Thanks, Bob. Hmm, that was uh, exciting at the end, wasn't it? So that is a wrap on episode 43. I want to thank everyone out there for listening. 
I do really enjoy uh, and have a lot of fun putting this together each week. I hope you do as well. If you do, DSRR, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave a rating out there. Leave a review. It's very helpful, and I appreciate all the feedback. So um, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy all of football, and we will see you next time.